Welcome. And welcome to the All you sexy folks. This is Candy here at the box. The box is presented by Pandora's Fantasy Box, a membership club where adults can explore and connect. Our aim is always to educate, inform, entertain, and entice you. My focus tonight is probably on education, but believe me, I will try to be enticing as well because I want you to pay attention and help me make the world a freer place after we leave here tonight. On August 26th, 1920, the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was ratified. It declares the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. 100 years ago, American women were officially granted the right to vote in this country. A suggestion is currently circulating around politically that um, we'll take that right away. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but it does make us wonder how our vote is, is working out for us. But that's a different topic. The U.S. Constitution itself was ratified in 1789. It used the terms persons, people, and electors. So that certainly allowed for the interpretation of those beings to include both men and women. The 14th Amendment, which was passed in 1866 and then ratified two years later, stated that all persons born or naturalized in the U.S. and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the U.S. and declared that no state prive any person of life or liberty or property without due process of law nor deny any person within the state's jurisdiction equal protection of the laws. That does seem pretty straightforward. But Section 1, what I just read, essentially, is the only part that anyone ever talks about. There are three other sections. And in those sections, citizens and voters are redefined as male. It also specifically excludes Native Americans of any sex. They were granted suffrage, the right to vote, um, but not until 1925. The 14th Amendment also limits the actions of states, but not the federal government. Okay, so we have some slight process, progress. The 15th Amendment then was ratified in 1870, and it states the rights of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Again, that amendment did not exclude women specifically, but in 1875, The U.S. Supreme Court found that states could 
prohibit women from voting. Why? Because women were, the court declared women as persons, how nice of them, but um, found that women were a special category of non-voting citizens. Well, in 1923, the National Women's Party proposed a constitutional amendment of their own. They said men and women shall have equal rights throughout the United States and in every place subject to its jurisdiction. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. That bill was reintroduced in every single Congress for almost 40 years. The 1960s we talk about now um, are hailed as a time of tremendous strides in civil rights across the U.S. Some of us, like me, remember the Jim Crow South and had pretty high hopes in the 60s. The Equal Pay Act was passed in 1963, and that promised equitable wages for the same work, regardless of race, color, religion, national origin, or sex of the worker. In 1964, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act passed a prohibition against employment discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, national origin, or sex. In the area um, of reproductive rights and freedoms, in 1965, the Supreme Court overturned one of the last state laws forbidding the use of contraceptives by married couples. For those of you who are not as old as I am, that's possibly a huge, not even married people were allowed to purchase contraceptives in some of our states. In the 1960s, in not, it was not until 1972 that the Supreme Court ruled that the right to privacy included an unmarried person's right to use contraceptives. Are you getting a feeling that progress is going slowly? In 1973, in Roe v. Wade, the U.S. Supreme Court declared that the Constitution protects women's rights to terminate an early pregnancy, thus that made abortion legal in the U.S., and in 1974, housing discrimination on the basis of sex and credit discrimination against women, uh, those were outlawed by Congress. Okay, jump forward a little. In 2013, um, so this is what, seven years ago, the Violence Against Women Act was reauthorized. It had been through several iterations. Coverage was extended to the first, for the first time to women of tribal lands who were attacked by non-tribal residents as well as lesbians um, and immigrants who had not previously been protected as 
women. Also, in uh, 2013, the law that restricted federal recognition of same-sex marriage was declared unconstitutional because it violates the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. This really does all sound like progress, at least legally, if it isn't working smoothly in practice. You may not be aware of this, but a lot of state and local laws that have been declared unconstitutional have remained on the books. They're just not being enforced. We need to work to get those repealed. Otherwise, if there is a change in attitude at the federal level or, um, well, <laughs> if the feds uh, re reintroduce them, the states can just start enforcing them again without putting them to any sort of vote. When I say that, I want you to be thinking about the laws that are on the books against things like adultery, sodomy, abortion, discrimination. The state I live in, adultery is still a um, criminal offense. Um, um, most people don't get sent to jail over it, um, but it remains a um, criminal offense. So let me uh, return for just a moment um, to that Equal Rights Amendment that was first proposed in 1923, because today is... Um, Women's Equality Day, okay? So uh, the amendment was proposed in 1923. And you know who were the first people, the first political party to endorse that amendment? Back in 1940, the GOP, the Republicans, uh, were the first people to endorse that. Well, in 1972... Congress finally sent the amendment to the state for ratification. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. The Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. Okay, so um, I think what I want to do at this point, I'll give you just a moment while I, I do um, a break. I want to hear from you what you think the status of that Equal Rights Amendment is, because today is Women's Equality Day. So uh, while you are thinking, because I've got three of you here, and I want to hear the status from each one of you. Um, uh, just let me give a um, little shout out here to, um, um, whether you only join us from time to time here in the box, or you are here nightly, 
you know that we have juicy things to talk about. Tonight we're talking maybe not quite as juicy, but we are talking important. Uh, juicy is important too. <laughs> if you have a business, a product, or a service that would fit with what we are doing, uh, contact us for the opportunity to advertise on one of our several platforms or collaborate with us as a vendor, a sponsor, or an affiliate. Reach out to us at pandorasfantasybox.com. Fantasy with a Z. We cannot free the world all by ourselves. So join in. Join in. We have a man in the house. Okay. So Steve, I'm going to ask you first. What is the status of the Equal Rights Amendment that was um, sent out by Congress in 1972? Do you know? Secrets? I'm coming off of mute. All right, so you're saying in and the status of it as of now? Yeah. I mean it 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 left Congress in nineteen seventy two. What's going on with it? Okay. Um is that the one on the it was about discrimination of sex or something like that? It says what it is, equality of right under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the US or by any state on account of sex. That's the Equal Rights Amendment. And so, that was passed, um, correct? Huh? And was it passed? You're not sure, are you? How about oh, you? Oh yeah, Alexis? no, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Okay, Alexis. I'm not. I, I'm not going to put a wage on it. <laughs> Ooh, you talk about wagers like, makes, I like to be makes me think of Mr. G. <laughs> yeah, I think things on mute. Okay. All right. So, Steve, if you can hear me, what do you think it is? Alexis? She's wow. Steve. I think I think her and Steve are together on mute. Okay. No, I'm here. All right. <laughs> I'm here. <man. laughs> Alexis. What happened to the Equal Rights Amendment? Do you know? I think it was passed because if I am correct, most jobs nowadays, if you read the application form very carefully, it always mentions that they don't discriminate against orientation, gender, or et cetera, et cetera. Okay. That is what you are talking about. That is the Civil Rights Act. The Equal Rights um, um, Amendment, uh, the ERA, um, has not passed. It um, uh, was sent out to the states in uh, 1972. By 1977, only 35 states had ratified it. So Congress voted for, um, to extend the deadline for another three years. No new states signed on, and in fact, lawmakers in five states voted to rescind 
their original support. So Nebraska, Tennessee, Idaho, Kentucky, and South Dakota changed their minds. Okay. Um, Then it just sat there from 1977 until 2017 when out of the blue, Nevada ratified it. Illinois followed in 2018. And why this is sort of a topic again is Virginia just ratified it this year. There's a Virginia. Well, except the deadline expired more than 40 years ago. So now. (laughs) um, Better late than never. (laughs) It hasn't been decided whether the Equal Rights Amendment will be adopted as the 28th Amendment or not. The courts have to decide whether it's valid since nobody passed it until 40 years too late or whether it's, you know, even still appropriate given all of the changes that have happened in the last 50 years. So, um, Alexis, you are very correct when you are applying for um, new jobs that meet certain requirements, not all jobs, but apparently the kind of um, organization where um, you're familiar with, they are forbidden um, to discriminate based on sex. But absolutely, that's not for every organization. And other than jobs, what kind of ways do you think that women um, might still be discriminated against? Can you think of some? Uh, Yes. When it comes to motherhood and childbearing and if they wish to start a family or not, because I do know that most women get passed over for some promotions depending on the job because employers are worried that if they have very young children, they're going to call out a lot. So there are actually a number of lawsuits that happen because they're being passed over or they're not equal pay or whatnot, just because they choose to have a child or they have a young family. Absolutely. And in fact, until about 25 years ago, it was specifically legal to refuse to hire someone who had preschool-age children, a woman who had preschool-age children. So that's why that one's still being fought in the court. So, yes, um, um, so motherhood, for all we talk about it so wonderful, we're not very supportive of it. On the other hand, what if you choose not um, to become a mother? Well, in a state like mine, Arizona, (laughs) uh, abortion um, has conflicting laws. Uh, There is still a law in the books which absolutely considers it a crime. But the Supreme Court said that it's unconstitutional. But they're not repealing it because they hope the Supreme Court changes its mind. So right now, it remains legal under very, very specific conditions. 
That includes the fact that you have to make several trips and you have to explain or flat out refuse why you want an abortion. Was it incest? Was it rape? Can you see how traumatizing this would be for people? You also have to sign a document um, acknowledging that you were given the opportunity to look at an ultrasound, that you were given the opportunity um, to look at essentially your unborn fetus. Also here in Arizona, which is just kind of tricky, um, they use a different definition of how old, well, of gestation age. How old is the baby? Um, I say baby uh, because that's just what I say. I'm talking, um, obviously, about a fetus here. Um, In Arizona, they count um, the age of that fetus from the date of the last menstrual period which is typically about two weeks before conception. So a fetus that in, I don't know, California, you can abort um, up until week 20. In Arizona, you've only got 18 weeks for it. So you see this, this kind of thing is just, on on going. Um, by the way, I'm not trying to um, you know encourage or discourage um, people's choices about contraception, motherhood. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying. Why is it like this? Yeah, was that you, Alexis? Yes. Um, I remember watching a TV episode that was ripped from the headlines, where depending on religion, some religion are against birth control, the morning after pill, and or um, abortion. So this person was unfortunately raped, but she was so injured that the nearest hospital happened to be a Catholic hospital. Catholicism don't believe in birth control, nor did they believe in abortion. So when she woke up in the hospital, she kept on asking about the morning after pill or her choices, and they just flat out refused to tell her. So by the time she healed from her injuries and was released, her and her family chose to go to a doctor's second opinion. Well, unfortunately, by that time, the morning after pill doesn't work because if I remember correctly, up to 72 hours from the last time you um, had sex. So she and her family decided to sue successfully and they won a multi-million dollar lawsuit against a Catholic hospital. They were, and, and, Stories like that are horrifying and very, very true. Um, uh, But it is not just religious hospitals, although they are the most common ones that get involved in this. Um, Again, here in Arizona, a a pharmacist can refuse to provide um, medications. A hospital can refuse to treat Or even worse, because we have lots of really, really, really sticky um, regulations, there just may not be a hospital where you can get uh, care. So um, 
I personally find it kind of hard to imagine that um, our men lawmakers, male lawmakers, would put up with a system where they had to ask for permission and come back two or three times and look at pictures of pretty little babies before they were allowed to buy a condom. You know, so um, um, that's a real, oh, it's a real visceral um, description of some of the differences. Now, think about it, um, uh, because I want to get kind of away from that topic. Just think about regular day-to-day stuff. What are um, um, our transgendered people? The courts and the communities are fighting about whether they are men or women. Intersex people, um, which I don't know, about 2% of the world's population, uh, about the same percent maybe as Russia compared to the rest of the world, um, they are equally discriminated against because they don't get to count as being men or women. They're just sort of outside it. And uh, so these are ongoing issues, ongoing. So I thought it was so interesting when I saw it come up today that today was women's equality. Um, some of us, like me, uh, you know, sort of lifelong small L libertarian, I have always thought of freedom as being equal. It, you're a human, so you deserve um, to be free. It shouldn't matter. And yet we have these horrifying, horrifying old laws and some brand new laws um, that are making it a little bit tricky right now. Steve, are you back on? Can you talk? I'm back on. Yes, I can talk. Okay. I know you've got daughters. So um, um, what's your take on do you think that additional laws are necessary? Do you think they're even useful? Or do you think this is a matter mainly of us just personally as individuals stepping in and um, owning our own power? What do you think? Well, I'll speak from a perspective of uh, being in human resources for 25 years. And as we've progressed as a society, you know, with Title VII, uh, after that you've had the Sexual Discrimination Act of 1991. Uh, you had the Pregnancy Discrimination Act of, I think it was, 78. Uh, and then you recently had the Lilly Ledbetter Act, which outlined um, equal pay issues and and the time frame in which someone can file a complaint with the Department of Labor or the EEOC, depending on what your uh, your concerns are, and and it, instead of having 180 days past the last of, uh, uh, since the last offense, it's the last known offense. So when you first when you found out about it, so that's changed. And as we get more women in key leadership roles in our organizations. What we're discovering is that some of the 
traditional ways of doing business, some of the good old boy way of system, is not really, uh, um, it's not very female friendly per se. And I will tell you where we've seen a lot of changes is in California, which is a very liberal state, very pro-employee state. And one of the key areas that has had an influence across this nation was the Family Medical Care Act or Family Medical Leave Act. And, and in different states, they've even added additional steps to it. So your question, what, do we need more laws? Are we going to see some changes? Yes. And I think as we discover more issues that come up because of we're becoming more diverse in the workplace, then you will see laws change and as society changes. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I think they kind of work hand in hand. Um, uh, but we get an awful lot of terrible laws written. <laughs> And it can take forever to recover from those, it seems. Um, Take a look, if you will, from your sort of human resources perspective. Do you think that the shutdowns due to COVID-19 are affecting, um, let's say, mothers and fathers equally, men and women equally? Or do you think someone's kind of taking the brunt of that? Well, I would say in this particular issue, the pandemic, uh, is, it doesn't discriminate. So you have both males and females, moms and dads, that are, find themselves out of work. And the real key indicator, uh, the real key third variable, I guess you could say, is the child. Because traditionally we send our kids off to school or they were involved in some activities so parents could go to work. Now, children are, children are at home, and mom, who traditionally would stay with the child if the child called out sick and dad would go off to work, now we're finding that's not necessarily the case because the pandemic is impacting everyone. It's not just saying it's going to impact men more than women, um, but it doesn't mean that there are organizational hierarchies that where people are in key positions uh, tend to tend to uh, have to bend the rules a little bit more to accommodate their needs versus somebody that's not in a higher structure. So give you an example. Uh, if I'm a senior executive within an organization and I've got child care needs, I can go work at home. And, and, and more likely, depending on the organization and the industry, more likely as a senior um, uh, executive in an organization, I'm more likely going to be male. And and uh, I can I can work out of the house and 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 take care of my kids and all that good stuff, but if I am a frontline worker, and yeah. whether it's male or female, guess what? I can't uh, I can't serve uh, Starbucks or McDonald's or make beds in a hotel from the house. I have to show up to work. And if my kids aren't in school, I have nowhere to take care of them. Guess what? I've got to now stay at home and take care of my kids. So opportunities there to earn an income as well as other employment opportunities like promotional and job description performance appraisals, that certainly has an influence. So, But I don't see where this pandemic has identified or isolated one group over another from a male-female perspective. Maybe, maybe from a status organizational it, it might have, 
Um, yeah, I'm, um, I, I would agree with you um, on that. When you look, uh, we are uh, where, where I live. We're very kind of hierarchical, and we have a lot of poor people. And those poor people have, they are working poor, but they have nowhere to go do their jobs um, right now. And uh, so you're right, that's the issue. And in this state, uh, many, many, many of those workers, an overwhelming number of them, are um, women as opposed to men. But the thing I'm concerned about, because, yeah, it sucks for anybody who loses their job, sucks for anybody who loses childcare. What's it going to be like as people start going back? into or recreating uh, new roles. Things are going to change. More and more of us will uh, continue to work from home. Who's making those plans and who's going to get left out? I think, you know, that's that's just kind of um, um, an issue, <laughs> kind of an issue. Yeah. So um, my, my thought on this is, wow. We have been dealing with whether men and women can just kind of, um, uh, that that shouldn't be the first consideration. And uh, hiring and stuff for hundreds of years. And when we have a big upheaval like this, wow, it can really change things. That means everyone who's listening it's an opportunity to be innovative and choose things for the good or change things for the good. And if we just sit by and don't get too concerned about it, it's also an opportunity to lose a lot of hard-won um, liberties, hard-won uh, rights. And um, I, I will tell you, um, um, here in the box, uh, and to be honest, in almost all of my conversations everywhere, I talk about sex and human connection. Um, and sex, as in biological sex and gender choices and things like that, and sex as in getting naughty and funky sort of thing. I talk about sex and human connection. So you might be wondering why I'm giving you this big elaborate um, history lesson tonight. Because sex is never just sex. It always happens in a context. Sometimes we may choose to have sex to help us forget the context, forget the situations around us. But that just kind of proves the point. Sex and human connection are very, very individual, but they can't be separated from the social structure around us. So right now, as um, this, this will be going to the Supreme Court, they are trying, they're going to have to decide whether the Equal Rights Amendment which talks about men and women, essentially, 
um, because that's the way that sex is defined at this point legally. Does that create a third class? Are some of those other folks been left out? Um, what about those who just don't care, who don't identify as anything? So it's just an incredibly fertile um, uh, time to be thinking about how do we want the future to look, to look. Um, I think this is a hard year to be talking about freedom and liberty. I will be uh, talking more about freedom, what freedom means uh, to me on September 11th here on the box. Um, and I do think it's more important now than ever. We have a chance working together, you know, uh, clear thinking, smart people, or just interested uh, people, uh, uh, you know, who may not have the depth of expertise, but they have earned wisdom that comes from living in this world. We have a chance working together to promote freedom for everyone who chooses to step into the power they own. Y'all may not agree with me on this, but um, I'm right. <laughs> Freedom is an internal quality. It's a state of mind. Nobody gives it to you. Nobody takes it away from you. But boy, you can give it up. You can refuse to look at it. Um, now, those of us who care about that kind of freedom, then we need to own it. And we need to make sure then uh, that we promote equal liberty for all of those around us. Liberty is something that is given to you and can be taken away. So that's going to take an awful lot of doing. So we need to start, essentially, right away, right away. So I'm going to call on you. Uh, I would like to hear, you weren't expecting this, I'm sure. I would like to know something that you would be willing to commit to, just in your personal life. I'm not talking about, you know, um, um, campaigning for Congress or something like that. What is something that you're willing to commit to that will make you feel more free and what is something you might be willing to do to increase the liberty of the people around you? Okay? Hard question. It deserves a lot of thought. And you each have like a minute. Okay? <laughs> so who's going to jump in there? Um, secrets. What well, something? I'll, jump, I'll, yeah. I'll jump in. And um, actually, it's a pretty easy question for me especially when you spend over two decades in service to really helping others and doing things, 
I'll continue to to be of service to share resources, information, to continue to network and build with people like yourself that have information resources as that I can actually share with other people. A lot of times people do stuff by themselves, or a lot of times people are waiting and looking for someone else to do it. We have to look in the mirror and realize that we are the change, and this is our opportunity for unity. So if we find ways to work together, to encourage each other, to educate each other, together we can make a difference. Cool. That was beautiful. That was beautiful, Secrets. Um, how about you? Steve, Alexis, who wants to go next? Go ahead, Alexis. He threw you under the bus. What can I say? <laughs> Big time. You know what? I'm not shy. Um, I'm just going to say be more aware of your surroundings. Be more aware of the social injustice around you because sitting around on your butt isn't going to change anything. To make change, you have to first start with yourself. Wonderful. Um, forcefully said, and I think it is is uh, correct. And that's why whether you any of you agree with my terminology or not, that's why I'm saying that we need to first step into our own freedom, step into our own power, even if nobody else recognizes it yet. And then once you've done that, I think you have an obligation, what Secrets was talking about, to share those resources with um, with others. So, um, yeah, I think that was nicely said, Alexis. How about you? Steve? You know, I have – I reflect back on my experiences throughout my career and uh, in work, and, and I go all the way back to when uh, I was an hourly employee and I worked for some organizations – there was a lot of uh, disgruntledness, poor productivity, uh, people that just did not uh, contribute to the bottom line, uh, and uh, fair and inconsistent employment practices. You fast forward to today, one of the biggest challenges that organizations struggle with is high turnover and poor engagement. I have made a career at helping organizations improve their bottom line by making sure that we're hiring fair and consistently in our employment practices, that we're hiring the right people, we're engaging them, we're developing them, and then we're also getting rid of those that don't necessarily fit the organization culture. And how this is, I'm able to help improve organizations is that it all comes down to leadership, making sure that we are doing the right things by, by our laws that we have out there, but also making sure that we've got leaders that are in position to be able to have and be able to make the right decisions to have, an, have a positive impact on their employment population. But more, most importantly, the number one thing that, that uh, has an impact on morale and turnover, as well as organizational improvement and brand recognition, is issues of sexual harassment, unwanted sexual attention in the workplace, yeah. which, again, I have over 20 years, experiences, uh, 20 years of experience conducting investigations, but not only conducting investigations, but also working with managers on how to be better leaders so that they can spot those issues, address it quickly, and they themselves make, make sure that uh, they're not doing anything that could be perceived as uh, unwanted attention or contributing to that culture and that environment. Yeah. I will tell you, and thank you for your commitment to doing that. We have an opportunity here, too, at Pandora's Fantasy Box. One reason there is so much 
unwanted attention forced upon people. Um, women get the most attention probably on this, but it happens to men as well. And certainly it happens, especially to those vulnerable people who don't fit easily into boxes. We don't teach people how to ask for what they want and to accept a no when it is given to them. We don't teach people how to read sexual signs from other people. We are so afraid, I I believe, in this country to admit that, guess what? We are physical beings. We are sexual beings. We think if we just don't mention it and then suddenly we send out, I don't know, put our teenagers together in a in a work environment somewhere that they'll know how to behave um, and won't get themselves in trouble. And it just keeps going on and on. So we have an opportunity. Um, That's what we want to do. Well, we are out of time. Um, So I have to say good night. Again, this is Candy. You've been listening to The Box. So thank you for coming with us to one of the playgrounds. And oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, come back. Live free. Good night, all. You're supposed to be naked tonight? (laughs) (laughs) 